1: If this is your first time checking out the podcast, or if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Those definitely help us out with the algorithm in the podcast world. Also, if you want to go ahead and share this podcast with a friend of yours, please do so. You never know. You might turn your friend on to their new favorite podcast. Make sure you're following the Van Flip on Twitter, at Van Flip Podcast. Actually, go ahead and tweet us right now. Let us know you're listening. Speaking of social media, make sure you follow Lamgoat as well. Give us a like on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Lamgoat. Make sure you visit Lamgoat.com to stay up to date on news, releases, and announcements from around the hardcore metal world. And if you enjoy watching podcasts rather than just listening, listening to them all these episodes and more content are available on the Lambgoat youtube page so make sure you head over there give us a sub and hit that alert bell so you always are notified when new episodes and content are uploaded at this point i want to shout out all of our patreon supporters jc alec jeff lachlan and dylan thanks for your continued support i can't express how much your contributions help out the podcast Shout out to Dylan for being the winner of this month's Patreon giveaway. He won himself a copy of Year of the Knife's Internal Incarceration on vinyl. The variant is only limited to 200 copies. Stay tuned for our next giveaway. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter to help the podcast out and to be entered in these giveaways each month, visit patreon.com slash the van And one more announcement before I kick on the intro. I'd like to have a new theme intro. So if you have an idea for a new intro, hit us up at van flip podcast on Twitter and let me know. On this episode of the podcast, we have Mark Greenway. A.K.A. Barney, lead singer of the OG grindcore band Napalm Death. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this.
0: Oh yeah, this is. Uh... Oh no, what? Oh,
1: lamb presents the Band flip podcast this might be the earliest we've ever had to do a podcast before and yesterday would have been even earlier if we had linked up yesterday uh yeah. barney but i'm a terrible
0: man i apologize it's, <laughs> not,
1: it's not your fault specifically i think it's just your location you're you know halfway across yeah. the world from us so this is our second time we're doing a uh kind of like a remote podcast with uh someone from europe we did I don't know if you're familiar with uh newer bands, but Lothe, we had Kadim from Lothe on their new, All right. their new mm-hmm. metalcore band kind of that resemble a lot of the Deftone stuff. But anyway, Ronnie, okay. welcome to the podcast. We uh Hello. Thank you, we, we thank you for being on. Um yeah. so you guys have been a band that we've covered at least on the website for probably would you say uh, Alex but... most of the time? That's been Yeah,
2: up? I think since
1: since lamb goats existed,
0: certainly they've they've been yeah, in our
2: uh, coverage realm.
0: Yeah, we've been around since the ice age, months. So it's probably a fair chance that you know. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've sort, you guys yeah. predate
2: you guys predate the web. Well, yeah, show web by a good uh, yeah much. decade and a half. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, are you currently in uh, Birmingham?
0: No, no, I'm, I'm from Birmingham, but I actually live. Um, thankfully. Um, in these times um i actually lived near the coast so i live near brighton which you might be familiar with okay um, i've heard of it Never yeah seen. it's like the it's like the um it's the go-to seaside resort over here you know which um which for social distancing measures is a disaster to be honest but you know it's it's
2: how are, how are it's things important. going as far mm-hmm. as the
0: pandemic goes yeah for me no problem you know i I'm I'm I'm, I live alone so I've only got myself to look out for so in my case it's um it's all right you know And, and like living near the sea I take my bicycle out like every morning like early early morning so you know I can I can do things to to lift the mood so for me for me it's all right you know but um obviously for people with um dependence and um uh, you know, wider family units. And it can be. It has been a bit of a nightmare, I think, in some respects. So, um, yeah. Uh, Mixed what's bag the, room. Hmm?
2: sure? What's the situation in the UK generally speaking? Over here, we're somewhat of a disaster.
0: Oh, a fucking disaster! You know, a complete disaster. We could compete on disaster levels. You they kind of make it.
1: They kind of make it seem like you guys are ahead of us, though. I live in Florida, so we definitely were a second. Uh, we opened up way too early, and then all hell broke loose out here. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we just have to wear. Everything's kind of still open. We just have to wear like masks, which again, a yeah. lot of people are, uh, you know, throwing fits uh, about. Yeah. But sure. Well,
2: from an American standpoint, yeah. The UK, it seems like you guys got hit her- hard early, but now, you know, my impression as a foreigner, is that, you know, things are pretty much under control over there, but here we're obviously uh, not well, under
0: control. Yeah, not really, because um, because they, because this, this push for, like, this economic like opening or whatever has meant that inevitably there's, like, rises in cases in a lot of places, you know, so, and it's I'm no scientist, but it, the probability to me seems like it's going to we're going to get like a, a, um, it's going to go up significantly, you know, I I just get that feeling, you know, but, um, um, yeah, so that's where we are at the moment, you know, every, people are, people are wearing masks, generally speaking, Um, but the, but you, the whole idea of wearing the mask is to, um, of course, protect anybody if you're carrying, you know, the virus, but you still have to, You still have to socially distance, you know, otherwise it's kind of, you're defeating the object of the exercise, you know. So, I mean, I'm very pro mask. I must be honest. I just think it's a human thing. If you can't be bothered, you know, to even (laughs) sort of partially protect people around you, then I don't know what that says for people, you know, just because you're, just because you're, um, sort of, um, asked to wear a mask. Is that really like a pair of handcuffs on a person? I, <laughs> I don't get that. I don't get that mindset. It's just completely, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, you know, I just don't get the logic of it, you know. Do you think no, that- I, to- I totally the-
2: agree. Oh, sorry, I was just going to just, just dovetail that. I totally agree. But we have a significant portion of the population here in the U.S. that indeed thinks they're handcuffed. They exclaim tyrant, um, you know, here in Pennsylvania where I live, our governor's a tyrant to the to the locals, and um, there's still, you know, uh, probably half the people around here that don't believe the science as it pertains to masks. And I only point to Japan because Japan has a population not not as large as the United States, but mm-hmm. a very large population. And I think I think to date they've had about twelve hundred deaths, and sure. here in the United States were, you know, over one hundred thirty thousand. But the Japanese, you know, they're used to wearing masks. It's been that way. Not that that they wear a mask to do anything, but if someone has a cold over there, they wear a mask. You know, it's a common courtesy.
0: So here's the thing. So Japan is kind of a second home for me. You know, Um, I almost live there. You know, I've spent I spent a lot of time there, you know, Uh, obviously not right now, but in, in, in previous years, you know, and. Actually, the first thing that you said was actually correct. They will wear a mask automatically. It doesn't matter, cold or no cold. People will go out with a mask on, you know. My ex-girlfriend used to wear a a mask everywhere. You know, even if she took a bike out, she would put a mask on straight away because it's not only the infection side of things, it's also pollutants as well, you know. If you can even slightly minimize, you know, the, the... the, the pass the pass through of, of particles um, particulates in the air you know from pollution why not you know what I mean it's not the be all and end all but at least it's something you know what I mean and I think I think it shows I think it shows respect for your fellow human beings to wear a mask actually because it says you know what it might not be the end game but at least at least I I value your safety you know what I mean as a as a fellow human being you know so.
1: yep. Absolutely. That's kind of uh, what I do. Is like I don't living here in America, not knowing exactly what is news media or you know not real news, fake news as they call it. Sure. um, I don't know what the masks are doing, and I don't know where the virus is and how bad it really is, and this, that, and the other. But as like you said, as a human person, like just in the case that there is an actual situation going on around me or I may have it, I'm definitely gonna put a mask on because I just think it's like a the human thing to do, and I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily exactly go out weird. that often either. But yeah. if I am, I'm, you know, if I go to a restaurant, which is, it's weird here. Like we go to restaurants, at least here in Florida, you have to have the mask on when you walk into the restaurant, but as soon as you get to the table, you can take it off. And and sure. there's there's other little things that you know that you like, get arounds or whatever you want to call them, but sure, yeah, the yeah, science yeah. is questionable. Though. Yeah, it, it makes it a little strange, but you know, yeah. again, I don't want to be just like that asshole not wearing a mask walking around, so. No.
2: Well, for fear of this devolving into a highly <laughs> annoying COVID uh yeah. <laughs> talk which you can get on any channel right now. I guess let's bring it back bring it around back to uh you know, the band. Napalm Death.
1: Uh, well, before we get, have... before we do that, I have one more thing. Oh shit! Yeah it's, simply, yeah, it's it's kind of about COVID, I guess, but it also pertains to band stuff. Do you, are your views, uh, Barney, on like wearing a mask and stuff like that and, and everything? Does any of that play into the fact that you guys want to get back to playing shows and stuff like that? Because you do have a new album coming out next month, and yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you didn't think that you wouldn't be touring. I don't know all year long, so. Do your views on the situation kind of also take uh come from being in the industry of like the entertainment industry
0: uh no i wouldn't i wouldn 't say so i just um I, again you you hit the nail on the head really it 's just the basic human thing to do you know what i mean that's that that 's what it is you know so so i I, I will do what 's necessary you know i'm, I'm I, I can be as cynical about Government as as anybody else can you know but there are certain things that you know are are just the human thing to do you know we keep saying that particular sentence you know so yeah we haven't got gigs right now who knows when they're properly going to come back we actually do have some penciled in for november for certain parts of europe which have managed to put gigs on actually already and it seems to have worked out quite well so so you know we will if in November the situation is as it is now, then we'll be good. Good to go, you know. But we will take whatever precautions we need to take, which are again the human thing to do. That's what we will do, you know. So there's no reason why not. So.
1: So we're seeing maybe a Napalm Death drive-in concert that we're doing big drive-in concerts here in the states.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but the the see the. Um, Places like the Czech Republic, Italy have opened up venues, but with obviously space restrictions, as we were talking about. So I don't quite know how that's actually, you know, constructed yet, but uh, which we'll see. We'll see, basically. You know, it'll but, be interesting
1: so. for like uh, for bands that usually are in the heavier realm because, you know, there's a lot of moshing and contact in general, mostly at shows. So it'll be interesting to see how things unfold.
0: Yeah, I mean, Napalm's kind of probably the top of the heap, you know, in terms of, I suppose, in in your face bands, you know, you want if you want, to, if, you want to, if you want to put it like that, but um, you know, we shall see. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, the idea of like massive separation between people seems like an odd one, but never say never, kind of thing, you know. We'll, we'll just have to see, how it goes. I mean, the um, I don't know whether you're going to talk about this anyway, but it's like with the, with the streaming thing, you know, we, we did kind of discuss it a little bit, but we decided at that point, which is a couple of months ago, that it wouldn't properly reflect like the napalm death live experience. So we decided to just kind of put the lid on it for a little while, which, which isn't to say that if we chew it over some more and come up with a, you know, some, a decent modification of it, that we wouldn't do it, but, at that point, it just we were just like, you know what, no, you know.
1: Yeah, I understand. I come from a realm where uh, I, I moonlighted a little bit in the DJ world for a couple of years, years back. And there were so many live streams, like, you know, DJs would just hop on and they'd just live stream, which they did during the pandemic too. But I got so sick of that stuff back then that um, it kind of ruined my... I, like my thoughts on bands doing it and there are bands that have done it well in this, mm. in this situation. But like you said, you, you do lose a lot of the in person, you know, like, why would you go to a show? Like I, we talked about this with Finn yesterday, but why would you go to a show? You know, it's to interact with the band, interact with your friends, the social aspect, you know, to feel the music really, you know, I mean, you have yeah. to crank up the music and you have to have really good yeah. speakers connected to your laptop or computer to
0: really feel it. I don't music. think, oh, that's, sorry, go on. No,
1: no, you go
0: on. I mean Napalm Death, especially. You know, I mean we're renowned for that. You know, we're 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 probably one of the most impact-driven bands out there. You know, in, I would argue in terms of the whole experience when you come to a gig. So you know, for us, it's doubly important that we don't. Um, it doesn't turn into a damp squib, I suppose. You know, but um, we'll 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 see. Like I say, never say never. You know, and if if if, if we can work it properly then then, then we may do it, you know, it just all depends. But if these things happen in November, then we might just wait till then, you know, we'll see. You know, it, no, it's hard because nobody really knows right now. I mean, even, you know, close to the UK, France is going through several spikes in, in infections. So whether they lock down again in France, whether they do it regionally, who knows? You know, it depends how significantly the infections rise, you know, so we'll just have to see.
2: Yeah. It's difficult to plan anything because the situation's so fluid. Uh, of course. <laughs> and, of course. um, as far as the live streaming thing goes, I mean, it's, it's, I would check it out. I'll check those out briefly as a, as a matter of curiosity, but I don't think that that sort of thing is sustainable or particularly for, you know, uh, aggressive bands, because mm-hmm. there's just, there's a sterility to it when you watch a band on the screen with no audience, uh, and that's cool for, you know, maybe one show, but it, it, you're going to a, a show and particularly a napalm death show for that visceral experience. You know, mm. the sweat, the the yeah. aggression, the camaraderie, whatever, you know, you yeah. want to say, and I just th- it doesn't translate well to a live stream. Sure. Uh, so I, I don't question your decision, at least thus mm. far, to not do anything sure. in that realm. <laughs> makes sure. perfect sense. Sure. In sure. any case. So the new album comes out uh, September eighteenth, I guess, and
1: throws throws, of joy. Yeah, go you got it. Throws
2: of joy and the jaws of defeatism. I think Mm. I got that right. Yeah, yeah. The cover art is pretty striking too. Uh, uh, who? First question: Who played guitar on the album? Because you know Wikipedia is normally a reliable source, uh, (laughs) and it has no guitarists listed, which obviously isn't isn't accurate. Um, Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, so, so basically, um, um, Mitch and Shane shared the guitars. Um, and John, who's our live guitarist, did some little bits and pieces here and there. So, so yeah, it was kind of a three-way thing, but mainly Mitch and Shane, you know? Um, so yeah.
2: Okay. That's, that's kind of what I had gathered. Um, trolling or not trolling trawling the internet trolling
0: the internet yeah <laughs> yeah i mean um, there is th- sorry go on no
2: you go on please there is a
0: little bit of confusion you know and and because mitch obviously hasn't been in the band for like 5 years he hasn't played with us you know so but i think when we came to do this latest album we really wanted him on there at first we we said you know look do you want to write some stuff you know and um he did have a couple of bits and pieces, but I think like the pressure of the situation, he, he decided against it, you know, which we, we respected that. But then we said, well, at least you want to come and play, you know. And he was like, Yeah, I'll do it, you know. So he flew over and he, he uh played um, played on the album, you know. So um so that's that, that that's what happened basically. Um and but you know the thing is is that uh, Again, Mitch hasn't played with us for five years. And, like, playing gigs with us at this point is pretty much not feasible. You know, the, I mean, the, the, the door's never completely closed, but it's realistically, it's not going to happen anytime soon, you know. But at least we could get him in on the album because his style, his playing style is different to Shane's, you know. There's a slight differentiation in the way they attack the guitar, you know. So so it was it's nice sure. to have that, you know it's nice to have that it gives you little inflections in the in the in the plane and stuff so so um so yeah it was it was all right you know it was um seems 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 to have worked out pretty well you know
2: so, yeah i've 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 only heard the uh you know the first single uh uh backlash just yeah, us, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is definitely uh a, a cool tune cool tune it kind of reminded me a bit of uh, i think probably the you know the lead guitar if you want to call it lead had a converge feel to it Mm. um which you know you guys have been around long a lot longer than converge so uh you've influenced them more than they've influenced you but i definitely when i was listening
0: to it uh yeah uh, there's some some converge-ish yeah yeah definitely well well yeah, we'll take we we love Converge, you know, we'll we'll take little flavours here and there. But you know, you've also gotta remember that that particular style arguably also comes from bands like Killing Joke, you know, who used that very, very unconventional, you know, style of guitar picking to 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 come up with chords that were not at all common. You know what I mean? Yep, and, yep. and 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 also bands like Sonic Youth as well, you know, completely off the scale in terms of you know the notation on the on the on the normal spectrum you know so I think generally we that's definitely something that we like to do you know is um go across the spectrum and find stuff that's um perhaps not always employed and just uh thrash the fuck out of it basically so yeah I
2: think that's you know I was revisiting um portions of your back catalog uh and that's that's just the prevailing. I've listened to you guys, you know, plenty in the past, but not not album back to back kind of deal. You know, trying to listen to the whole catalog in one shot or in successive days, and it just it hit home how uh, obviously it sounds like Napalm Death, but be below the surface, just there's from album to album, it sounds like a different band to some degree. Sure. It's just really interesting how certain bands, you know, you know, it's them, um, uh, Cannibal Corpse, whatever, pick a band and Napalm Death, you know, depending on the album before your vocals come in, because you have very distinctive vocals, but, you know, you have to almost think for a second, you know, who is this? Um, yeah. Because there's just these, these. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, there's a diversity, a subtle diversity, I'll say. Sure. Um, and part of that I mean, is because you guys have such an expansive catalog, and you don't want to,
0: you know, revisit the well over and over again. See, that's the thing, man. I mean, like we're 16 albums in now. People have to keep reminding me of that, by the way, because <laughs> I, I, I just don't count, you know. But uh, um, the thing is, man, like that this many albums in, why would we want to repeat ourselves? What's the point of that? You know, it's like nope. it's like we'll be we'll be not doing ourselves. We'll be doing ourselves a disservice, and also the people that. Follow us, you know, Jen And some people have been with us for fucking now the thirty years more plus that I've been in the band, you know. So, so why would you want to do that? You know, if you feel that you've still got interesting things to do musically, lyrically, whatever, then why just try and be a parody of yourself? To me, to me, that, that 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 doesn't make any sense. We, but of course, whatever we do, you know, there's kind of, I guess, some some kind of not even rules really but some loose kind of things that that we stick to so it's got to be obviously extreme um aggressive abrasive and confrontational you know and and whatever we do on the spectrum of extremity as long as it generally hits those things then we'll go anywhere we need to you know we're not going to we're not going to sort of stand still and um you know without with our with our feet tied together you know we're going to move forward you know it's i think every every napalm album is just a couple of steps forward each time, you know, and, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. You know, we, we live and die by our own sort of decisions in that respect. And so be it, you know,
2: right. Uh, no. And I, I appreciate, I think you've gone (laughs) gone about it the right way. And obviously, um, you know, your legacy, uh, speaks to that. Uh, your first, or, it's interesting when I go to these streaming services and they have recommended albums, uh, Apple music, the essential album is scum, uh, not which may not surprise you. <laughs> uh, okay. I obviously you weren't in the band then. And, uh, I was just wondering uh, what, what sort of emotional relationship do you have with, with an album that is perhaps, um, your most highly regarded album, but you didn't appear on said album.
0: You know what, mate? I don't, I've never. I don't give a shit about that stuff. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that album is the his, is part of the history of this band. You know, and I will never think any less of it because of that. In fact, you know, this band is really personal to me. Not since I've been in it, but you got to remember is that I was around back at those times. I knew all the guys. You know, we're all from Birmingham. I remember when Scum was being recorded. I remember the guys coming into the pub that very night, you know, after they'd be, been recording just across town, you know. So so I was kind of involved, you know. I was um, not in the band, you know, but I was kind of around in the right. general scene. You know, we had a great scene in Birmingham Mac, in those days, you know. So um, before um, before I joined the band, Napalm was arguably my favourite band. You know, I saw them as a three piece, you know, playing in pubs in Birmingham. And I could tell right then that, you know what? This band makes a fucking lot of noise, but there's some, they've got that special something that you can't necessarily put into words or put your finger on. You know, I knew it even back then, you know, little did I know I was going to be in the band a few years later, of course. But, you know, I, I thought they were fucking incredible, to be honest. As a three piece, they were fucking mind-blowing you know honestly you know and i just so for me scum and the and from enslavement are, are musical milestones I, I don't think you even have to time to as young i think generally in the history of music i would say those two albums are are historic you know as 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 music goes you know and again that's me stepping outside of the band for a second, you know, and sure. not to somebody in the band go, yeah, my albums are fucking great, you know, because I'm not doing that, of course. And if
2: you, if you would remain outside the band for a second, uh, you know, do you, and, and I don't... Uh, answer, the way you answer this question, I realise it puts you in danger of sounding less than humble, uh, but do you consider um, Napalm Death the, the the fathers, if you will, of grindcore?
0: Never. Not, see, this is a thing. People say lots of things like that. You know, there's variations of it. And it's really nice. You know, it's nice that people think of you like that. But the trouble is with that, if you start believing your own hype, you start to get complacent. And I think that that's when bands don't start to kind of dip, you know, quite significantly, you know, with the stuff that they're doing creatively. So I've never looked at it in that way. You know, people say, oh, you're an institution. Well, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? You know, and I, I'm not right. being disrespectful when I say that, because again, I know people say it with the best intentions, you know, but all that, all that, all that legacy stuff, all that kind of um, award kind of stuff, you know, and I, d- I never cared about that stuff, you know, it, it, for me, it was always about the spontaneity of the music, the vibrancy, you know, the the here and the now, you know, the, um the, 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 the just the, the, you know the breathless urgency of it, you know, and that's that's really what it's about for me. You know, I'm I'm kind of uh, what you might call an art wanker. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not. You know, the the awards and the plaudits, you know, it's very nice, but you're only as good as your next album. You know, right, that's right. really you know. So,
2: well, leaving Napalm Death aside for a second, to whom do we owe Grindcore? Is that like a repulsion thing? See, what's your personal opinion?
0: Well, Napalm? here's the thing. His, I will say this: so that that term would not even have existed if it wasn't for Mickey, the previous Napalm drummer, because he invented that term. He just came out with it one day. He just said, oh, "Well, it's grindcore." What do you mean? You know, well, it's anything that's like ridiculously fast or painfully slow. You know, which a lot of people don't realize. <laughs> so he was referring to bands like Swans, you know, yeah. um, Cabbages and Kings, you know, stuff like that um you know big black you know anything like even that to him you know such was the spectrum you know of influence of different bands so that's where it came from that was mickey you know nobody else that was mickey that came up with that you know and then of course probably somebody in a fanzine somewhere picked up on it and it it spread like wildfire you know so so that's that's grindcore basically so I can't give you an absolute starter band, you know, but I would say for me, it's anything, the very things you've mentioned, repulsion, siege, you know, it could be swans, you know, it could be, um, impact unit. It could be deep wound, you know, it could be Norsum from Sweden, you know, it could be, um, could be extreme noise terror, you know, could be, could be heresy, you know, could be, could be, um, Oh, there's a million bands, you know. but sure. Um, sure. Wh- Death, you know. Let's throw that one in there. Another <laughs> fucking sob, you know. All great stuff, you know.
2: Now, are you? Uh, I'm curious as when some of the, the newer, not newer, but second wave, if I will, of de- of uh, grindcore bands. Um I'd imagine when they first meet Napalm Death, it's somewhat of a, you know, I don't know, say starstruck like it's Brad Pitt or something, but you know when Pig Destroyer meets Napalm Death for the first time, there's <laughs> got to be some sort of uh, gratitude, respect, uh, throwing whatever. You uh, know what, mate? I can't give want.
0: you, I can't, I can't give you any glam stories. You know because let's be honest, it's in, in, uh, kind of connected to the last stuff we were talking about. To me, this is always just a network of friends. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether your band is a starter band or whether you've been around twenty you always treat people with with dignity, you know, and just as friends, you know, um, I, I don't know, I can't speak for other people, obviously, but, but I'm, see, I've never been about putting people on pedestals, you know, I, I got asked a question yesterday, who are your heroes in life? And I couldn't really come up with anybody. There's a lot of people who have contributed great things to art on, on that side of the, the discussion, who I, you know, I really love their work, but, are they heroes of mine? Probably not. You know what I mean. I just don't look at people that way. So my approach is always to just be friends with people because that's the best connection you can have. You know it really yeah. is. You know, and yeah, you're right. I mean, there's been a couple of times when people bands that you know of they, they meet you and they're a little bit nervous around you. It's like mate, it's like mate, like well, chill out. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> You know, here we're all together, man. You know, it's just just go with the flow, and everything will be better than you could imagine. You know, so
2: right. Uh, uh, which reminds me, has Burton Bell of Fear Factory ever personally thanked you for um, for giving him a style to cop? Oh no, I mean, he.
0: <laughs> no, i say no, that no. sort of
2: tongue in cheek, but
0: um, yeah,
2: damn it. I don't he's... know
0: because he you know Burton um, I will say it was quite versatile you know back when they were around because he was doing some stuff with his vocals that wasn't really widespread you know I mean he was doing the kind of swans you know head of David sort of thing a little bit and not many people were doing that so I, I, I would say you know he kind of went under his own steam quite a bit you know um, people you know every, everybody's got their own view on these things you know but um uh, especially with that first album they did. I mean, not many people were doing that, mixing it with the quite crunchy metal style. You know what I mean? So right. fair enough. You know what I mean?
2: Well, it's when I hear soul of a new machine, it's just like every single time the heavy parts. Oh, yeah. It's like, damn Barney's Barney's here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, everybody's got to, everybody's got to take, you know, whatever they do, vocals, guitars, everybody's got to take it in the direction that they see fit. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm quite selfish in that respect. I'll do what I think I need to do. You know what I mean? I won't do it to like fit in with anybody else, you know, because I think you have to be, if you want to achieve the best that you can with your art, it's a pretty selfish pursuit, you know, and I'm not a selfish person, but I am selfish in that respect. You know, I'll do what I think I need to do rather than necessarily conform to people's expectations, you know?
2: Right. Absolutely. Dave, I feel like you had a question.
1: Yeah, since we're talking about the grindcore origins and stuff like that, at what point did you guys uh, decide to start throwing in a little bit of death metal and then later on like more groove metal uh, elements into the band? Was that something that was already kind of going on before you stepped in, or is that something that maybe once once this core of members uh, got together, was that something that you guys kind of just randomly started doing? Like we talked about earlier how not every album is the same, so is that just like a... Logical thing that you guys progressed in that in that aspect?
0: So here's the thing. So if you listen to the Scum album, Side Day especially, it's you could say if you're gonna break it down into percentages, it's fifty percent Celtic frost. You know what I mean? Is that or is that not death metal? I would say it probably is, yeah. you know. So the here's the thing. Like metal has always been part of napalm death. You know, it's not it's and, and this is this is where um, this is where I um, sometimes get a little bit sort of like, hmm, you know, because the automatic thing for a lot of people is to call Napalm Death a metal band. And to me, that's such a narrow categorization of what we do. You know, it's really not accurate, you know, as a as a term, you know. And I know, I know, you know, sort of the categorization of bands is sometimes is seen as quite a surface thing, you know, and a bit sort of peripheral and all the rest of it. But, you know, in in and of itself... Um you know, Napalm Death is equal parts hardcore punk as much as it is metal any, any day of the week, you know, and also an equal part of the, the compounded other influences like post-punk, you know, like noise, like industrial music. I, I could give you, you know, we could go through the list, you know. but So, to me, it's not really a metal band, you know. hasn't been you could argue like when I stepped in on Harmony Crux when we were finding our feet, yes, you know, the death metal thing was in there, but that was also a perception because we went to the Murray sound studios, which was, you know, it was intrinsically linked, you know, just by association, you know, to that the stuff. So w- Morris sound in, but we were in looking. Tampa?
1: Was it the one in Tampa? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that's death metal it heaven but, basically. <laughs> but the thing is the thing is here's so here's the thing. We we didn't we didn't even really want to go there in the first place. It was the label that really pushed us into that, you know. And secondly, the sound that we got out of Morris Sound was not what we wanted. You know, we were looking for a far more raw sound. But we left Scott, Scott Burns, a producer, who did a lot of Death Metal Arms, we left him to his own devices. And I'm I'm certainly not being down on him because of that. But because we left him to his own devices, he constructed something that was very much how he would do it with a lot of other bands from who had recorded at Murray Sound before. So for us, for me, and it's always been my view, you know, the songs on that album are are pretty good, you know, really good. But the production is not a Napalm Death production, in my humble opinion, like any day of the week. Which makes sense.
2: How does an an upcoming band go to Scott Burns and tell him what to do?
0: (laughs) Sure. Sure, but I mean you know we, we we're also i'm not saying there is any blame, but we would also be to blame because we should have we should have stepped up and like interacted more you know in that process you know when it came to the mix and and stuff like that, but we didn't you know so so so, so there you go basically but um so I think that maybe answers part of your question, but into it it was never a calculated move. All the all the all the elements that you picked out, David, in your first question, was never Napalm's not a calculating band, you know. It was never a calculated move. Oh yeah, no. Well, now it's nineteen ninety four. We must sound like, <laughs> like groove metal, whatever that even means, you know. It was it just kind of happened, you know. We were we were we were we were um, mixing the fast stuff with more chord stuff, experimental stuff, you know. So some of the beats which were influenced by some really quite amazing drummers, you know, that weren't even in metal bands, you know, that were in more quote unquote alternative bands. Son- Sonic Youth, you know, was, was a big influence on those mid period albums. So that's maybe where it comes from. And I think it sometimes it gets mischaracterized, you know, if that's even a word, but yeah, it gets mischaracterized. So it was just a natural process, you know, and, um, everything's a stepping stone you know all the things that we've done even in some cases where i look back and i kind of go yeah well it still wasn't quite napalm for me you know i i i still wouldn't change it because everything is is a learning process we hadn't have got to where we are now if we hadn't done those things you know in the early to mid period so sure
2: and you mentioned you mentioned the, the label uh, at the time, was Earache, Earache Records, and mm. obviously you're on Century Media now. But uh, what kind of relationship do you have with Earache and Digby Pearson, if I have his name correct, uh, yeah. the founder yeah. of Earache? What kind of relationship does Napalm Death have with him now? Because I imagine he's still, you know, a copyright holder, a yeah. licensing holder to
0: yes. a good that portion of
2: your your assets.
0: Yeah. God, you must have you must be psychic or something, you know, because yeah, you're spot on, you know, but, um, so here's the thing, we had a very fractious relationship with earache, um, back in the 90s, It some of it played out in the press, you know, it got quite nasty, you know, I mean, even me, you know, I'm not one usually to give people a kicking in the press, because I just think it it's kind of unproductive, doesn't really solve anything, you know, uh, well, I, and when I say that, I mean, people I've worked with, but the, like earache at that point was it was a nightmare, you know, to deal with, and it just got really frustrating. But you live and learn, you know. You hopefully, as a human being, you learn things. And actually, now we, we we would never we would never necessarily directly collaborate with earache again in terms of releasing stuff. But we have collaborated on a few things other than recording albums. And you know what, the relationship is actually pretty good now. You know, we we've kind of learnt. Learned to live with each other. And, um, last time I saw some of the guys, it was actually really nice. You know, it was a really nice time. It was good fun. It was nice to see them, you know, and, um, so we've, we've moved on a little bit now, you know, you know, yes, we don't own the, we don't own the rights to any of that stuff, you know, but, um, such is life, you know, we shouldn't have signed a bloody contract that was so, that was, that had no time, time limit on it, you know, so. And how did, how did.
2: no, I appreciate that. Uh, I guess as long as you're getting the checks, then, you know, that yeah. keeps the relationship afloat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's at times, you know, some of the stuff we get from them is much needed, you know, because, um, you know, in a band like this, it's not a high rolling band, you know. It's not yeah. a, uh, a, you know, a big sort of um, big, big cash generating band. So, you know, you kind of need to fall back on some stuff sometimes, you know. Well,
2: see, when oh. I was a teenager, I thought you guys were a high roll. Band because I guess you know Eric had the the licensing deal in the United States with was it Columbia So yeah, we,
0: we didn't see any of that money though you know what I mean you know right but yeah. to the
2: average you know person's like oh they're a major label uh, you know what? A, a metal there's, band
0: there's a story to that as well you know I mean we're, basically we got sold to Columbia we didn't have any choice in that matter either and I you 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 you're quite knowledgeable about Napalm Deck, clearly so you would probably know that. Me certainly, me personally, and, and the rest of the guys, I can speak for. We would never sign to a major label. Like, what's the fucking point of that? You know, it just it doesn't serve us. It's, it my ethos doesn't go down that road. You know what I mean? And and also, um, the the time on Columbia, if it's anything to go by. So so um, there was all these, as you would expect. There's all these high expectations and all the rest of it from some people. So. It was a fucking disaster, you know. It, it, it seemed to work okay for like a year, and then all of a sudden they just lost interest in us, and consequently, I. And I've always said this, it set us back two or three years. You know what, mate? On Utopia vanished. We were doing fucking great in the US. You know what I mean? We were we were an underground band, like doing our own thing, not being dictated to, and we were doing really well. And the band was on an upwards trajectory by not compromising you know by not not um not steering ourselves in a direction for commercial interest we were doing really well Then, ironically when the big commercial um behemoth comes along and takes on board completely destroyed you know within a year which is not to say that you know they took on some people at columbia specifically to deal with napalm death godflesh cathedral and a couple of others, I think, and the actual individuals that were working mainly on napalm death were fucking brilliant, you know what I mean, but they had their hands tied they did they, they they would have walked through fire for us, you know within the space of a few months, they were brilliant, you know what I mean, but of course, such is the power of the entity that they were in that they, right. they they can 't make decisions, you know they can 't yay or nay stuff you know without it going to another department and therefore it was kind of it was a bit of a non-starter you know so well
2: uh, i suppose i i believe i read uh, perhaps i dreamt this but i think i read that uh you met steve perry from journey I so, did. <laughs> so if nothing else the relationship with columbia uh yielded that strange
0: encounter yeah you know here's the thing so it was actually my birthday and we were on tour in the states and um you know, I like a bit of classic rock. You know what I mean. And so, <laughs> actually, one of the one of the people from Colombia, uh, uh, one of the great people I was just talking about, like arranged it. So what happened was, I'll give you the, the little, I'll give you the story. I'll try and keep it short. So basically, we were playing in 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 in, in I think it was LA, essentially LA, and um, I was just there on the day, and this this um this limousine turned up, and I'm like. And they were like, that's yours. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, me and Limousine's just not, we're not bedfellows. You know what I mean? I was like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? And so I got into the car and I can't remember exactly who was with me at the time, but we were like going through LA. And then we uh, we ended up in the, I think it is Van Nuys or Van Ness or something like that. Is that Van like Nuys? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? You know? And then all of a sudden we turned down kind of this. In, we call them industrial estates in England, so where the, where the factories are, you know, you have yeah. a few factories in, we tell them, what the fuck is this, you know, so I went through the side door, and then it has got markedly more luxurious, there were kind of putty plants and nice carpets and the rest, I like, what the fuck, you know, have I been hijacked, you know, or something, and I walked around the corner and, like, there was Steve Perry rehearsing, like, with his band, you know, like, right in front of me. I was like, fucking shit, you know what I mean? And his voice, you know, it was on the solo album, you know, Love of Strange Means, his voice was fucking immense, you know what I mean? I mean, it really was, you know, I was kind of just sitting there in a chair and his voice just fucking pinned me to the wall, you know what I mean? I mean, that's that's why it was imagine. like. You know? He was fucking on fire, man, you know what I mean? Now, nowadays, he's He's sharp, man. I don't know if uh, you know. I don't know if have uh, I just happen to. I don't follow him, you know. The, but I, I, I saw him singing live, and it, it was not, you know. As uh, understandably, you know, it, right. it's lost I all think, that range, you know. But
2: unfortunately for him, uh, you know, his vocal prowess was such a, uh, you know, it, it's his, his, it's his thing. Uh, for yeah, uh, you know, I can't articulate it. Uh, and when you reach a certain age. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's impossible. It's physically impossible sure. to duplicate that sort of thing. Yeah. So he, and i get himself uh, in a box in, in that regard, as opposed yeah. to, you know, uh, Paul McCartney. Well, some of his stuff is vocally challenging, but even more so, you know, Roger Waters or whatever. These guys can get by, um, Steve Perry though, trying mm-hmm. to sing, um, you know, whatever. yeah Yeah, i can't think of a jerk don't stop believing you know he just can't do it and and you can do the the billy joel route i guess and and go down like three keys or something but then you know it's just a a parody i I,
0: I I dare should go there it's just not happening you know what i mean so uh, for me personally you know and i wouldn't want her anyway you know so
2: right well barney greenway can you know he can do his vocals into his 80s you know because you're, you're not restricted by those those uh parameters
0: yeah sure sure sure
2: but but, in any case uh sorry Dave. i just had to ask so did you actually talk to steve perry or are you just watching him work
0: no i I spoke to him he was he was like he was a really nice uh uh, i mean he he kind of i guess i hate to stereotype people but he kind of did fit the stereotype he's very quiet very soft-spoken you know and i said to him um, I don't think he quite knew what Napalm Death was. I said, oh, you know what, Steve? I said, um, you know, if you want to come down to the gig tonight, man, you're fucking quite welcome, you know what I mean? You know, bring some friends if you want. Oh, yeah, I might just do that, you know. And I think maybe then what happened is, like, one of the people that was with us maybe played him, like, some Napalm, and he was just, like, probably yeah. fucking terrified. I'm you know know fucking i am not to show. Yeah, I'm exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but could you yeah, imagine? Well,
1: could you imagine Steve Perry showing up to a Napalm Death show? Oh, <laughs> well, could you imagine him standing on the awesome. side of the
0: stage, just like melting? You know, with like yeah. Or
1: finding out that in some weird way he is actually like a small fan of the band too. You know?
0: Yeah, imagine if he started ripping them kind of vocals on his on his following release. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how much? But how much Steve of an Perry, influence? Napalm
2: Death split never happened. Yeah, and I will always. Uh, well, I just wanted to ask, uh, since Dave brought it up. Um, have you ever found out that anyone, you know, a celebrity, minor celebrity, someone unexpected, you know, was a napalm death fan or even knew who you were, which I guess there's is an accomplishment few. when it comes Post to. Yeah, there's, music. A few.
0: there's a few, I mean, the obvious one, which everybody fucking knows about now is the Jim Carrey thing. You know what I mean? Um, sure. we all know about that. The other one is there's a footballer. I'll just mention one because to be honest, I can't really think right now, but there is a few, but, um, the other one is, um, a guy called Puyol, if you look him up, he's an ex-Barcelona footballer, you know, basically a big, burly fucking defender. You know, he, got, he had he had a, he had had long, curly hair. He was a beast, you know. He used to knock people off the – so he played for one of the biggest football clubs in the world, you know what I mean? So uh-huh. um, he uh, he um, he was apparently a big Napalm fan, you know, um, and was seen, like, sporting Napalm shirts. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, 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 yeah. How was it that you guys,
1: um, <clears throat> speaking to other people that like your band and blah, 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 you guys were able to play the final tour with Slayer. Um, how was that with for you guys, like, just to, you know, be on that bill with, you know, they're an American, book. you know, American death yeah. metal band that are and legendary. More accessible
0: bands, generally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a, we 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 thought it was a joke at first. You know, when we when we were told about it, we were like, "Nah, somebody's pulling a fast one." You know what I mean? But but no it was. I think what happened was. As as I was told, you know, as I was told this, so Tom Araya's um, uh, brother works on the crew, you know, and I think he, he's, an, he's a Napalm fan and he suggested it, you know, to whoever he needed to suggest it to. And we got asked to play on the bill, you know. And um yeah, it was interesting, you know. Uh, the bands, the other bands on the bill, much more accessible than we are. I mean, you know, we were making at four o'clock in the afternoon some heinous fucking noise, you know. <laughs> and like, and like, of course, naturally, some people are into it. Other people are like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You know. You could see it on their faces, but great, you know, we. We, we, we like to entertain. We also like to annoy, you know, in equal measure, you know, we get a kick out of that. But, um, so, but I have to say this, you know, we, on that tour, which was a big tour, you know, by any measure, we were treated fantastically well you know, they were brilliant to us, you know, they, you know, you, you expect sometimes being the first band on a bill like that, you know, you might get treated like shit, you know, kind of patronized, and, right. you know, the rest here's of it.
2: your dressing room, Slayer, here's your dressing room. Oh, here's your closet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, but they, they were, they, they, they were brilliant, you know, so, so, um, so, um, um, we just, We were, they were, they were great, you know, anything we needed within reason, of course. They were just incredibly accommodating, you know, and, um, and I I couldn't say otherwise, you know, it, it, it it ended up being a a, a blast that to, you know, it was actually, it was actually, you were excited to get up every day and and, and play that gig, even though we were first on. So the, the places were, you know, weren't, um, you weren't, you know, significantly full, you know, but it doesn't matter, you know. I mean, you know, we were there to do our thing and uh, make some fucking noise, you know, and that's what we did, you know.
2: How many uh, Slayer sets did you watch?
0: Um,
2: I I had a passing... You just tap out, say, I'm done with metal for the day. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) well,
0: yeah, but I had a passing... I had a passing view. What I would do, I'd go in and watch three or four songs one night and then go in at a different part of the set another night and watch watch some more songs and stuff, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, mind, I saw Slayer on Hell Await. you know? I saw him in, um, in, uh, in England, you know, on Hell of and it was, they were fucking incredible, to be fair, you yes. know what I mean? As and with all,
2: all due respect to Slayer 2020 or Slayer 2019, it, you know, no Jeff yeah. Hammond, no Dave Lombardo.
0: Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I I just kind of, you know, the way I sort of looked at it was they were kind enough to ask us to be on the tour. And uh, and, 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 but I also I also, you know, it's their choice to do what they do, you know, and it's their choice whether they finish or not. And I'm kind of I'm neutral about it. You know, I you know, I'm not one of these people that will cry tears, you know, over Slayer going because. they were great in the early days you know and i mean that i don't mean that disrespectfully at all i mean i'm just not that sort of person i don't cry about bands going because I, I i respect that people feel when there's a time to finish there's a time to finish you know and if they make that choice that's their choice and nobody else's you know so that's that's my way of looking at it you know yeah
2: i mean that i'd stop listening to slayer after divine invention divine invention but, I mean, I respect what they do. But totally,
0: totally, yeah. yeah. For me, it was like, for me, to be honest, it was south of heaven, really. And then after that, like, just bits and pieces of other albums, you know. And um, But, um, yeah, like you say, you know.
2: But, yeah, nonetheless, getting to tour with them, that had to be kind of a,
0: a mind. Yeah, part. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. It was, you know, and, and, the, and the band are like really nice to us as well. So, you know, and not just talk about the crew. So, um, it was even it was, even Kerry King didn't see much of him. I mean, he said hello to us every now and then, but didn't really see much of him. You know, he was quite quiet, uh, at least when I was in the vicinity, um, or or or, or you know, to so when I might come into contact with him, he was quite quiet, but you know, he hung around and stuff. He, um, um, you, you the, the generally you didn't generally didn't see him, you know, till a little bit later on in the day. So where whereas we were like kicking about all day, uh, right. uh one or two of those guys would come down earlier on, but a couple of them would not show up till like really later on because obviously they would always generally have hotels off site, whereas we were sure. obviously on site as soon as and on site for the rest of the day, which was fine, you know. <laughs> I mean, mate, I will say this one thing: the catering on that <laughs> tour was fucking insane i've never seen anything like it you know I really, oh, yeah. they wanted to go out with a bang too you know yeah yeah what, are we, yeah
1: what are we
2: talking lobster rolls and sushi or yeah i mean i
0: mean i I'm, I'm not i don't do any. i mean i'm i'm really strict like vegan like health vegan as well so for me there even there was a ton of stuff on there you know but yeah above and beyond that it wow. was it was insane you know so it's pretty 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 brutal you know
2: but, <laughs> yeah well that that that's uh that's definitely a, a positive,
0: you know. Yeah, See guys. I, listen, I, I hate to uh, throw this right in the middle of a lot, but I got to I got to call it because my my next interview is meant to be starting. You know. So. No,
2: well, we don't want to impinge on anyone else's time, and sure, uh, uh, we appreciate that you're a uh, you know an important guy, and have a lot oh no, to speak not me, to, mate. So not as me. much as you hate as you hate yeah. that, that sort of label.
0: Yeah.
2: But, no, well, we apologize for uh, keeping you.
0: No, that's all good. That's all good. Well, I
2: could talk for another five hours, but
0: sure, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I, mate, I could talk the legs off a fucking donkey, you know. So I'm always ready to talk, you know.
1: Well, we will have to oh. link up again at some point uh, after yeah. the album's out or whatnot, mate. But... Whenever,
0: just just you know, tell the people that coordinate these things. I'm always ready to chat, you know. So... Sounds good. Thank you, Barney. Well, have no, a good one. Cheers, guys. Been an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> talk to you I'll later. Watch. Cheers. See you guys.
2: Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman.